Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. survived last Monday, didn't you? So let's do this again, but with different different words. Um, and I've made what may be an artificial distinction between chaos words and emergency words. When we speak of profanity, please remember that originally the word meant to use non-holy language because you had the sacred and then you had the profane. So you weren't using sacred words, you were using profane or non-holy, non non-Christian, non-religious, non-pure language. And that's a bit of an overstatement, but that gives you an idea of what we mean when we say profanity. Uh, Traditionally, it is defined as socially offensive use of language. The problem is it's not so socially offensive anymore. There are forms of music where it is a bulk of the music. So, What do we do with this? It's now used so often that we have a very, very hard time upping the word. Now, last week we talked about an F word, and so we all know that some people then add an M to it to make it even more unthinkably offensive. But then where do you go from there? It seems that we have actually moved and reverted back to a more Semitic way of cursing. If you remember it, as we brought up last week, Semitic languages don't create curse words. They create situations of cursing. And if you uh, listen to some of the music today, you will find that they use all of the profanity, but then they use it to be very, very gross and detailed in sexual terms, um, uh, terms of hatred, terms of abuse, and terms of attack. And so they're going back and getting the situations now and seeing if that will juice up the words that they've used so often that they're not any longer socially unacceptable to the point they once were. There is another term that we need to know and, and from our past, if nothing else, and that's the word blasphemy. And blasphemy used to be against the law whenever, uh, especially in, in, well, I guess everywhere except for the U.S. And then the U.S. had blasphemy laws as well early on before the Supreme Court kind of uh, took care of that, I would submit that you don't want blasphemy laws um, because if they can silence one person, they can silence you, but I could be wrong. So what was blasphemy? Might surprise you. (coughs) It wasn't to say that you didn't believe in God. (coughs) Sorry, where you didn't believe in the Bible. Blasphemy back then was using the words God, Jesus, Christ, or anything associated with them as an exclamation. So what you hear every day, I mean, I listen to atheists uh, on their podcast because I wanna hear, what are they thinking? What are they saying? Do they have a point? So I always, I, I listen and I read, and it just shocks me how many of them will use as an exclamation, Jesus Christ, or oh my God. And I'm going, 
Could there be any more useless, idle, throwaway use of a name of God than by somebody who doesn't believe they exist? Uh, it, it is quite the puzzle, uh, I must say. I don't think it's meant to be offensive to them. They don't even realize what they're saying or doing or don't care. And that would be blasphemy. And here's the thing. The anti-blasphemy laws that, had, that ruled Europe most often caught soldiers or the like who had been killing, maiming, torturing, raping, and worse. And that was okay. But then if they were to say, you know, God this or, or Jesus that as an exclamation, they could get hauled up and flogged. I don't think killed in most, in most times. During the Inquisition, anything could get you killed. Um, but again, the laws were against those words. So all the other words for, let's say, excrement were normal. They were used in conversation. They were not considered too base or vulgar until past the Victorian age, whenever pseudonyms had to be found for, for everything. And in poetry, it, you know, the, the old earthy words are stripped out and then other words are put in that meant the same thing and everybody knew. It's um, Jimmy Buffett recently passed away a couple of months before you will see this. So it's not a spoiler alert. And he had a very uh, offensive song that was written, meant to be offensive. Let's get drunk and, and the reason he did it was because he said it was a reaction to Conway Twitty and all of these other singers that were obviously talking about sexual activity, but they weren't allowed to say it, so they couched it in other words, but everybody knew what they meant. I'm, I don't play the Jimmy Buffett song um, and don't recommend it. But my, his point was, we all know what you mean. So why is it that you feel superior to those who say the words? Well, these words have a long history. It got to where you could use those some of the words in, in common language, common usage. Then it got to where you couldn't because the Victorian age liked to pretend like things weren't bad. During Victoria's reign, a 12 or 14 year old could get executed, hung by their neck, no trial, because they were caught stealing a loaf of bread because they were starving. The poor were mistreated abominably. The um, women, oh my goodness, the horror of women, what they had to go through, the workhouses, the shame, the absolute debasement of anybody who was not of proper breeding stripped out the language, but it shoved it down, put a veneer over it and act like nobody smelled the smell. It was a horrible time to be anybody but a person of the gentry. And as Charles Dickens would point it out, and by the way, he was a horrible person to his family, to anybody else too. But as you know, the pictures he would put in his novels of the debtor's prisons and the debtor's ships and Oliver Twist and all of these things, these, these were life for the majority of people. Among them, the words were used all the time, except they did not still use words like God and Jesus and Christ, except 
those words were ex became acceptable when you were attacking your enemy to refer to them. So when the English-French wars, for example, when there were many, the um, both sides would talk about that you could kill the GD. I'm doing this because there might be kids in the house, right? And also we don't want YouTube to flag this as something dangerous, which they do to religious things, but not to other ones that are just full of the words. So. Uh, like I said, it's their company. They they set the rules. But they could talk about, you know, the GD French uh, or the GD Englishman. And that wasn't considered blasphemy now because you were talking about the other people. And here's the, here's the thing we've always done. They're not really people. Therefore, the rules don't apply. Therefore, we can kill them. And that's what human beings do. It, no matter where you go, there there, there, is, there are no races there's one human race, we get this. There are no cultures or tribes where this does not occur, where you demoral, you, you uh, devalue rather the other person. Even in Native American tribes, most of the names that I've found, and I will admit I have not found them all, most of the Native American names that they use for themselves translates basically to the people. We're, we're the people, they're not the people. And that's, that's common to all peoples. We do that to the other. And so all of a sudden, blasphemy didn't count if you were attacking another person. What do we do with this? Well, I grew up in a, in a, in a church that reacted, and it, it would swing so far to the other side, where in our family, we weren't even allowed to say good grief. And if Charlie Brown said it in the cartoons in the paper, remember newspapers? Those were fun. Uh, and the comic page, if he said good grief, my father had to explain to us how that's not funny and not acceptable because it's a substitute for cursing. Same with golly gee or gee whiz. Uh, remember Everly Brothers? Um, oh, you know, all I have to do is dream. Uh, this, you know, the only problem is gee whiz, I'm dreaming my life away. If any of our people sang a song like that at a camp, they had to not do the gee whiz. Because that was a curse, that was, you know, that's just another way of saying, of cursing. Snuffy Smith in the cartoons. We say, gosh and darn, we all know what those words mean. So we had to strip all of that out. You had to be really, really careful. It, is it good not to use those words? That'd be great. Is it possible? Not sure. Because you see, there are emergency times. And... You can be falling out of an airplane and your parachute is not opening. Um, you know, use, using the D word in various forms all the way down is probably the best way to control your absolute terror. Because you see, those words do. In emergencies, they control pain. We know this neurologically. They control pain. They lessen pain. They focus. They help you deal with panic. Now, we talked about chaos last week. These are, are less than that. Let's, um, I can remember once when I was preaching in Rochester, Michigan, just uh, one county north of Detroit. And they, we, they had a big stage at that church. And the steps up to the stage were movable. That's an important thing to know. We had three services in a row. Uh, and I would preach one, two, three, every, every Sunday morning. Loved it. Wouldn't. I'd do it again in a heartbeat if we uh, had the need to do that. But we're not a brick and mortar church, so we don't have to do that. Anyway, 
during one of the services, somebody moved the stairs. And I'm sure it was for a very legitimate reason. Nobody would have done that to cause a problem. Uh, was, these are good people. So during the sermon, I started to step and I looked down and I went, oh, and pulled myself back up. And I went, I almost used an emergency word there. And everybody laughed because everybody understood what it meant. We even, one time, um, I used a SpongeBob SquarePants cartoon as a teaching aid on a Wednesday night because he's actually where I got the, the phrase emergency words. But there are other phrases that he used, like flavor words. And they read something on the side of a bin, I think is where it started. And of course they bleep out all the words, but I showed it. And then I stopped it and I looked at it and I said, and here's the thing, everybody in here heard the word in their head, even though it wasn't on the screen. So let's talk about how those words are used when they're used and when it's all right. If you are um, falling out of an airplane and your parachute's not opening and you're, you're just D, 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 D all the way down, that's one thing. But if I look at a person and I say you know, D, U, that's not the same. One is an emergency use. One is a curse, a literal curse. And that's where they are, why they're sometimes called curse words. We don't curse other people. We don't even call them thou fool, if you remember the Sermon on the Mount. And please remember the Sermon on the Mount. It's kind of important. We need to be very careful that we do not demean, devalue, or lessen another person. So emergency words are really an emotional release, not an attack. Attacks, I don't think we get that. But earthiness, um, I don't know why we're so afraid of what words are. Uh, one of our members is a, um, a licensed counselor, and Liz Hunt, you've seen her, her things on Fridays. She does an excellent job. Uh, and she also works with people with sexual problems. And I've not talked to her about much of this, but she's referenced this once or twice on a video. We're so afraid of the earthy words that we've often set up our children to be abused and touched because we haven't told them the words to use. We've used so many euphemisms, they don't have the words. They need to know what the parts names are. They need to know what's acceptable and what isn't. But so many people, especially in America, from the 30s, 40s, big time, 50s and 60s, were too terrified to ever bring it up. Even in American television, you couldn't put two people in the same bed, even when they're married. Remember the Dick Van Dyke show? There was quite a few feet separating the two twin beds, which made you wonder how they ever got little Ricky. But there you are. And um, the, the Lucy show, you couldn't bring up, you couldn't say the word pregnant. And so America and its swing away from these things just got the next generation ready to use them in great force as they swung the other way. So here's the thing. Don't be an absolutist here. Understand that there are emergency situations and there are times of chaos but that we are never allowed to curse another, to devalue another, to demean them with our language or any other way. But the earthiness has its place. When Paul talks about his righteousness is as filthy rags, he's talking about the cast off, the cast -off rags of menstruation. 
he uses other words that are usually translated garbage or rubbish, which are, it's the S word. It is the S word, but we're afraid to use it. In Ezekiel, there are words about donkeys, sexual acts, and women that we will never hear a sermon on. And by the way, I don't think we should, but it's in the Bible. Even when translators try to avoid it, they can't really avoid all of it because it's earthy and it's real. We need to understand that we can put a veneer of holiness on our language when all we're doing is denying direct conversation about the earthy and the real. So let me just, let me close with a couple of things. First of all, don't, don't let people shame you. Uh, a very common thing said in sermons when I was a boy and all the way up through my adulthood was if somebody you know, slips and falls and a word comes out, the S word, the whatever, and they look horrified around and say, that just slipped out. Remember my father used to have a sermon illustration. If you drop a jug of milk and it hits and breaks, what comes out? Milk. Why? Because that's what was in the jug. It was already in you. Don't, don't do that. These words are already in you. You've heard them. You've heard them used in different contexts. You can't unhear them. They're in you. All right, gotcha. Some of you work in an environment where these words are 80% of the vocabulary. I get that, I really do. So they're in you. Try to follow these rules from scripture. All right, Ephesians 4, 15. Speak the truth in love. Make sure it's the truth and make sure you're saying it in love. Truth without compassion is hostility. Truth without compassion is hostility. Be very careful. And then think about whether it needs to be said at all. There are some truths that do not need to be said. If you're looking at somebody who has a horrifying hairstyle, you don't have to say, you have a horrifying hairstyle. You can decide that maybe that's something that doesn't need to be said or even thought. And maybe you're not the judge of hairstyles, right? So, so truth without compassion is hostility. Speak in love. And then Matthew 5, 17, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You don't need to flavor it with word enhancers and flavor and emergency words unless it's an emergency. And then remember that Matthew 12, 36 and 37, the words that you use will be used to judge you. So be very careful about any judginess, unnecessary attacks. Be very careful about your, your speech. You know those, those people long ago in church basements that taught you church songs? If they did, if you, that was part of your culture, one of the lines was, be careful little mouth what you say. That's pretty good advice anytime, isn't it? Sorry the ice machine went off right as we're wrapping it up. Thank you for those of you who give. You keep us fed and you keep the lights on. Wow, it means the world. Thank you. God bless you. Have a fantastic week. And we'll see you next week with a whole different subject. And aren't you glad? I am.